Good morning, Doxa. Today's scripture reading comes from Romans chapter 8, verses 1 to 8. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law, Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. This has been the reading of God's Word. Well, my name is Brian Weiler, and I am a member here at DOXA. And for the past few months and weeks, it's been just really strange, hasn't it? Um, you know, even gathering back together again, I'm looking out and seeing you and the chairs are, we've got social distancing happening here. Some of you have masks on. I mean, we're just living in some, some different times, aren't we? Uh, we're navigating challenges in our society and our world that just remind us that we're not in control. We are being daily reminded of that. Um, my biggest uh, takeaway from this pandemic that we're in, from the unrest uh, from the George Floyd murder and the protests and the rioting that's happening is just that we desperately need God. We need God personally and we need God to act in our society and in our world. Uh, like Randy mentioned last week, uh, we need God to restore things. We really do. The brokenness in society seems to be more obvious today than ever before. I know our hearts are heavy this morning with everything that's happening in our world, but I want to encourage you right now with everything, with even just kind of the way church is today, just encourage you to center your heart and your mind on the word of God this morning, on Romans 8. Um, if you have uh, kids in here, I just want to encourage you, do not worry about your children. Um, that's why mine are actually at home. Mine have been, would have been the loudest ones in the room. That's why they're at home right now. And by the way, I promised my kids I would say hi to them. So hi, Luke, Bryn, Jude, I love you. Um, listen to your mom. So kids will be kids. Um, so don't feel any pressure to try to keep them contained this morning. It's okay. So the teaching schedule has us diving into Romans 8. Uh, this morning. And so we're kicking back off. We're continu continuing our series, um, The Gospel Changes Everything. And I don't think it's an accident, and I do not think it's a coincidence. Um, Romans 8 is filled with theological truth and wisdom that I truly believe is exactly what we need right now to help us navigate the circumstances that are happening in our world. Romans 8, if applied to our life, will give us the strength and the freedom we need to face the uncertainty uh, in the world and the uncertainty that we will face tomorrow. So my hope is this today. My hope is that the word of God 
And the spirit of God will encourage you, will empower you and embolden you to go out and live differently, to be a beacon of hope to a world that is desperately looking and searching for hope. So let's pray together as we dive in. Uh, Father God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity uh, to get together, to, to be back together as, as a body. Uh, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the hope that we have in you. Uh, Lord, we thank you for the scripture that we read, uh, that we're reminded that, that we love because you first uh, loved us. Lord, I pray that this morning, uh, your love would overwhelm us this morning. Uh, Lord, we need you every moment of every day. Lord, I pray that we, are, we would leave here with a bigger perspective of who you are and how great your love for us is. And Lord, so just uh, protect this time, protect our hearts and our thoughts, protect us physically. And Lord, we love you. We thank you for this opportunity we have to be together. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, Romans 8 is considered to be one of the greatest chapters in the entire Bible. Um, One Bible scholar said it this way, that if, if the word of God was a ring, then Romans, the book of Romans would be the big stone, And chapter eight would be the sparkle in the stone. That's how he described it. So a key theme in Romans in chapter eight is freedom. So we're going to look at two aspects of this freedom. And by doing so, we're going to answer two really important questions. And the first question is this, what does it mean to be free? So that's the first one. What what does it mean to be free? So we're gonna look at that. And the second question from Romans eight, we're gonna look at is how do we live free, right? How do we consistently live from that place? So let's dive in right now and look at the first question. What does it mean to be free? Um, Listen to Romans 8, verse 1 and 2 again. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. See, Paul is making a bold statement about freedom. Paul is declaring that you and I, as Christians, those of us who are in Christ, we have been freed from the law of sin and death. And this is crazy good news. It's why chapter eight, verse one, is one of the most quoted and memorized uh, verses in the entire Bible. No condemnation is a beautiful way to describe the freedom we have in Jesus. It's a verse all of us, every single one of us should memorize and it can serve as a powerful resource in our spiritual life. However, you cannot separate verse one from verse two. They they are together because verse two reveals why we have no condemnation. Paul explains in verse two, that the law of the spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. See, Paul is making the point that in Christ, you and I are rescued from something. We are rescued from the law of sin and death. So what is the law of sin and death? So in order to grasp the magnitude of Romans 8, we actually need to go back and look into Romans chapter 7. So listen to the way Paul describes this law in Romans chapter seven. So we're gonna look at Romans seven, verse nine to 13 here right now, starting in verse nine. These are Paul's words here. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin came alive and I died. The very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. For sin, seizing an opportunity 
through the commandment deceived me and through it killed me. So the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. Did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin producing death in me through what is good. In order that sin might be shown to be sin and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. See what Paul is saying here is that God's perfect and holy law, the Mosaic law is holding him captive. He goes on to describe in detail how God's law reveals his own sinful nature. Paul says, it is not the law, God's word, the law that is bad. It is his sin, his sin nature that is bad. God is good and righteous and perfect law. It's like a flashlight. It shines on us and reveals the darkness that is inside us all. In other words, God's law is like a thermometer, a gauge that constantly tells us that we are sick. I mean, think about it. A thermometer cannot cure you. It's not medicine. A thermometer just tells us whether or not we have a fever. What Paul is talking about right here in Romans 7 about the law and sin and de- uh, of sin and death, he's explaining that you and I are sick, that he is sick, and we need something outside of ourselves. We need a cure for, our, from, for and for our, from our sin. See, remember what Ro- uh, Paul said in Romans chapter 6, verse 23. The wages of sin is death. So to sum all of this up to this point, God's perfect law Right? His perfect law reveals our sinfulness. And our sin reveals that you and I deserve judgment. And the judgment that God gives us is death, eternal separation, and eternal condemnation. And so, as human beings born into sin, from day one, we are living under condemnation because of Adam and because of our own willful desire to do and uh, and, uh, live as we please. We are living under God's wrath because like Adam, we have chosen to rebel against God's perfect and holy law. We have chosen to be our own God and we've decided to try to figure out a way to live righteous apart from God. Remember um, what Jesus, when he came, when he talked to the Pharisees, he explained that he didn't come for the healthy, he came for the sick. He didn't come to call the righteous, he came to call sinners. So do we see our own sinfulness and do we right now recognize our need for God? So in view of this, of of this context, let's reread Romans 8 verse 1 and 2 again. Verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. So what does it mean to be free? The freedom God is offering us is freedom from the law that renders judgment on us. Paul right here is beautifully describing Christian justification. And justification really means our legal standing before God, our position, our current position before God. Paul is making the, f- the point that justification provides freedom from the law of sin and death. Justification provides freedom from the fear of death. 
Let this sink in right now this morning. Let it sink in deep. In Christ, the condemnation we deserve because of our sin is removed. This is such good news. So how is this possible? How can you and I live with confidence, and I mean real confidence, that the law of sin and death is no longer threatening our life? Well, let's keep reading because Paul answers this question right in the next verse. Let's look at verse three and four. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. See, Jesus did what you and I couldn't do. Jesus lived the perfect life. He lived a righteous and perfect and sinless life. And what Paul explains is that it is, it is the reason that Christ came in the first place. From day one, Jesus knew that he was our cure. The law of sin and death doesn't just go away. It doesn't just go away. It was placed on Jesus. Jesus was sent by the Father, that's what it's saying here, for this very reason, to be a substitution. And what's called a substitutionary sacrifice for you and me. So what does it mean to be free? In Christ, we are freed from the condemnation of our sin and we get to live with confidence knowing the debt that we owe because of our own failure to keep the law was paid in full. Freedom in Christ is living with a real hope, a real hope, and it's fully trusting in the work that God has done on your behalf. So in view of this, let's flip it And let's read verse three before we read verse one and two. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. So what does it mean to be free? It means you and I, we can approach God with confidence, knowing all of our sin is forgiven. The declaration that there there is now no condemnation, it applies to our past sins and it applies to our future sin. And it's, it's, it's easier for us to wrap our minds that, that God has forgiven our past sins. But we, we have a hard time wrestling with the fact that he, this applies to the sins we will commit later today or tomorrow. When Jesus died on the cross, how many sins did you commit at that point? None, right? We were not even born. He already paid for all of your sin before you were even born. What this passage is teaching us Romans 8 verse 1, is that if you are in Christ, think about this, Jesus wiped out the possibility of any future condemnation. In Christ, there is nothing that could endanger God's love for you or his acceptance of you, nothing. 
God's love, uh, God doesn't love you more the more you look like Jesus. God doesn't love you more because you've grown spiritually more, like mature, more mature. The better Christian you are has nothing to do with God's approval of you. Hear that. The better Christian you are has nothing to do with God's approval over you. Why? Because his approval of you was never ever based on anything you had ever done in the first place. Pastor J.D. Greer says it this way, and I love this. He says, God is just as pleased with you on your very worst day as he was with Jesus right when Jesus got done preaching the Sermon on the Mount. We need to let this sink down deep this morning. It will free us from trying to worry about whether or not God accepts us and loves us. It will free you from trying to perform for God and other people. It will free you from trying to hide from God. If you are living in genuine freedom, you are not worried about how other people perceive you. You're not worried about what other people think of you. You are able, think about this, if you're in freedom, you're able to love those who don't love you back. You're able to forgive those who won't forgive you back. Why? Because your peace, security, joy, identity doesn't rest on them. It is cemented and rests on Christ and how he views you and how he accepts you and loves you. Freedom in Jesus allows you to serve, allows you to serve others without longing for them to serve you back. We don't ever, as Christians, we don't ever have to be unsure of God's love for us. About eight years ago, I was really struggling with this. This is exactly what we're talking about, this freedom in Christ. Because when you really think about it, the gospel just seems too good to be true. It really does. I was in full-time ministry at the time. And I, I just felt this enormous pressure to try to please God. And I was a student pastor. And so I felt like this, like I had to live up to that title, right? Like, I, like that it was given to me. And I just felt this pressure all the time that I could never figure it out. And I'll never forget this moment. I opened up to a mentor of mine about this struggle and about my, uh, just this pressure that I was in, in and this lack of freedom that I was experiencing. And he had me open to Matthew chapter three. And he told me to read verse 16 and 17. So I'm gonna read this for us this morning. So Matthew chapter three, verse 16 and 17. This is, this is what I read. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were open to him. And he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And he looked at me. And he said, Jesus didn't make one disciple at this point. Jesus didn't do one miracle. Jesus uh, didn't go to the cross. Jesus didn't uh, resurrect from the dead, nothing. And God, the father was well pleased with his son. And he looked at me and he said, Brian, God is well pleased with you. And it's never based on anything you had ever done. It's because you have trusted in his son. And I just remember at that moment, it just kind of started, started sinking down deeper into my heart. Man, it's not about me. It's not about anything that I have to offer. It's about looking at what Christ has done on my behalf. So hear me, Doxa Church. Hear me. 
if you are in Christ this morning, he is well pleased with you. So what does it mean to be free? See, true freedom, true freedom means we are living, we are living not to earn God's approval. We are living for God because we already have his approval. True freedom means we are, not, we are living not to earn God's approval, but we are living for God because we already have his approval. So do you feel free this morning? Do you find yourself running toward God in repentance when you sin? Or do you find yourself kind of hiding and retreating from God? See, how we deal with our own personal failure and our own sin will reveal deep down whether we truly understand Romans 8.1. And this leads me to my second question this morning. How do we live free, right? Like how do we consistently live from that place? Well, Paul tells us, right? If we keep reading, right? Verse five through eight, let's read that together. Starting in verse five. For, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Paul's answer here to this question is that you and I need to set our minds on the things of the spirit. You and I have to make, this is our part, right? We have to make a conscious choice to think about what the Spirit thinks about. We live from a place of freedom when our mind is not set on the things of this world. We live from, consistently from a place of freedom when our mind is focused on what pleases the Spirit. So you and I, this is our part. We need to work at this. This is where we need to get our hands dirty. Listen to this, we have been freed. What are we talking about? We have been freed so that we can freely pursue holiness. We have been freed, Romans 8.1, so that we can freely pursue holiness. Christ has won the spiritual battle for our soul, but you and I, right, we, we need to fight to win the spiritual battle going on in our mind. Paul makes it clear in Romans Seven, going backwards again, Paul makes this clear in Romans 7, 21 to 25, that this struggle, this spiritual battle is real. Listen to how Paul puts it. We're gonna read Romans 7, going back again, 21 to 25. And this is Paul, he says, so I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind, making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man am I, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I, I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. So how do we live consistently from a place of freedom? We have to do our part. We have to set our mind on the things of the spirit. We have to submit ourselves to God's law. Again, we have been freed so that we, in freedom we can pursue holiness. 
My main um, sport growing up was wrestling. Um, I wrestled, so I started in fourth grade and I never stopped till the end of high school. And I traveled all over the Northeast doing tournament after tournament all year round. And my freshman year of high school, our team was pretty good. We were competing for a national champ, or a state championship, not a national championship, state championship. And um, we were in a wrestling match and my coach told, pulled me aside and he said, I'm, I'm bumping you up a weight class. So I was wrestling 125 and I, he was bumping me up to wrestle somebody who was at 130. And he told me that I need to go out there and I need to pin this kid. This kid is, in his word, he said a scrub. And what that means is a kid who's not very good. And so I was all excited. I was like, of course I'll go out there and I'll pin this kid. I was like, I love that, right? Get off the mat, easy, quick, you know, get six points for the team. I go out there and it was anything but easy. I went out there and I, I was, it was one of the hardest matches I wrestled that year. And I barely won. I won four to three. And I walked off the mat. I had my head hanging low and I felt like I let my team down because the coach, he told me, we need six points, right? We need a pin. And I walked off and I just was confused. I'm like, what just happened? And he pulled me aside and said, Brian, you just beat last year's district champion. Oh, looking back on this, when I look at the kind of reflect on the story, he knew me. He knew kind of how I thought. If I knew who this kid was, I would have had no level of confidence in that match. I would have lost that match. I, I, I know I would have. And he knew that. What Paul is telling us, guys, in Romans 8, is that when we enter into the wrestling match against the flesh and against sin that is at work in us, we can have full confidence because victory has already won. When we begin to think our sin is bigger than our Savior, we have already lost the spiritual battle going on in our mind. When we begin to think our sin is bigger than our Savior, we have lost the spiritual battle in our mind. You and I, we can face our struggle and face our own personal sin with confidence because we have the assurance of victory. We are no longer under condemnation. So where are you this morning? See, the practical application of Romans 8 is that in Christ, and that's an if, right? In Christ, you are freed and you and I, we can live from a place of freedom. Listen to what Paul says in, in Galatians 5.1. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. So are you standing firm? Are you believing God is big enough to handle your biggest problem? See, don't submit again to sin. Submit to the spirit and set your mind on what pleases the spirit. Do you want to know what the spirit of God thinks about? Pick up your Bible, read it. Get to know the third person of the Trinity. Get to know the Holy Spirit and what pleases him and what's important to him. If you are not experiencing this kind of freedom that we're talking about, go to God, ask him. Ask him to lead you by his spirit. Prayer is one of the ways that we can reset and set our mind on what the spirit thinks about. Ask God for the fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Open up, and I, this is my challenge. Open up to someone, talk to them about your struggle, about the struggles, we all face it. The chances are the person you're talking to is struggling alongside with you and they're just waiting for someone to be real and authentic and honest about their own struggle. If the apostle Paul struggled, 
we're gonna struggle. So let's stop pretending and let's start approaching God in full confidence. If you are in Christ this morning, you are loved. If you are in Christ, you are forgiven. If you are in Christ, you have a real and living hope. If you are in Christ, there is no longer any condemnation over you. Listen, right now, and you know this, the world is going crazy around us. People are hurt, communities are broken, and people are asking, where is God in all of this? How cool would it be if one of those people in our community asking those type of questions, see God at work in you, see God work in me, see God work in our church and our city because of the freedom that we have in Christ. So I don't have answers. I, I really don't uh, about kind of where we go with all the, the tension in society right now. I don't, but I do know who we should be going to. I do know who we should be running towards and it's Christ. It is one who earned, our, who positioned us and earned our freedom, paid for our freedom. So let's approach God this morning in confidence. So we're going to, and this is exactly what communion is. It reminds us that we can approach God in confidence. Communion reminds us that, that Christ's body was broken for us. His body was broken for you and for me. His blood was poured out so that we can live in a place of freedom. And so that we're going to lead into, into communion now. Um, and uh, if you come, you come through the uh, outer aisle. And again, there's markers on the floor for social distancing, those green uh, markers. And you come up and there's gonna be, the, the servers will have gloves on and they'll give you the um, little cup thing. But I, I just wanna challenge us all as we approach communion, I, I pray that your heart will be in a place of freedom, that you approach the table and just, you will, you're just overwhelmed with the reality of Romans 8.1, with God's love for you. So let's pray before communion. Father, we just thank you for this time. We thank you for the words, the words of Apostle Paul in Romans. We thank you that we can approach you in freedom. I pray that um, as a people, Lord, that we will fight and win the spiritual battle of our mind, that we will approach you, we will go to you in full confidence. Lord, I pray that this morning we will leave with a better understanding of who you are, a better understanding of what it means to live free. And Lord, I pray that you'd use our church right now in this season that we're in. Lord, I pray that we would be a light to our community, a light to our city. Lord, help us. Lord, we thank you that the victory and the battle is already won. And I thank you that we can freely pursue holiness in freedom. And Lord, we love you. Amen.
Sing that chorus, may your love. 